Hello and welcome back to this week's latest edition of the OmniTalk Fast Five. If you're watching us live on LinkedIn, it's August 7th, 2020. And it's actually it's August the- 6th on LinkedIn. Oh, it is August 6th on LinkedIn. Thank you so Just much. Just in case Ed. It's you August forgot. 7th. If, you're right. pro- if you're listening to us tomorrow on our podcast or via our video Time feed on YouTube. And, are not, and dates are not cool. always our strong suit here. But no, we'll always work it. through it. Always keep me honest, definitely not our strong suit. Um, shows you why our kids need to go back to school because our grades are at capacity in terms of what we can teach those young lads. Do they ever. <laughs> um, oh my God. But man, what a week. We've got some exciting announcements today too. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna break the ice on this one, Anne, if you're okay with it. But we've got do a it. new sponsor to announce. The Fast Five has a new sponsor. We do. We have a new sponsor, and it's Fast Sensor. Fast, fast Five by sponsored by Fast Sensor. Say that five times fast. No, you know I fast don't five, respond five, to those sensor, challenges. Fast Five, Fast Sensor. I can't do it. Okay, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, we're super excited to have them in the fold. Uh, we've known those guys for a while now, going on almost a year. We did a great podcast with uh, Kalen Welch uh, right before the the outbreak broke, uh, and. Uh, got a lot of great feedback on that podcast, formed a great relationship with those guys. And actually they're going to be coming back and doing a return engagement uh, on a podcast, talking about all their different capabilities around social distancing, uh, monitoring and and great analytics that you can get from what they're able to do um, uh, from an innovation perspective. So we're pumped to have them in a full, in the fold. And of course we still got takeoff as well. Always excited to have them been working with them for a number of years now, but man, and this was a, this was a crazy week. Like you and I were looking at the headlines like yesterday morning. We we're like, that's ah, kind of a snore, but there was like a ton of stuff going on in the convenience store industry. So we're going to hit that pretty hard towards the end. But then all of a sudden, like just things broke and we'll probably have to get to most of them next week. But like Walmart's rumored to be delaying Walmart plus Wayfair, wait for it. Turns no. out profit. Like what the hell? Their stock is $300. I did the math. If I had invested $10,000 in Wayfair at the beginning of this outbreak, I would now have 1.5 million. No, you can't even, you can't even do that. It's just shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's just crazy. Yes. But yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. And there's so many things, so many things happening. CBS had great numbers too. I, you know, not surprised, no surprise there. Continue to double down on the health hub concept too is the word coming out of that. But man, yeah, tons and tons of stuff happening in retail right now. But we're getting into early earnings season. And uh, we hope to have a few new surprises for you guys on that front as well uh, with some of the work we're kicking off there. So stay tuned. If you haven't already, subscribe you know, to our podcast, wherever you happen to listen to our podcast, and of course, to our blog, omnitalk.blog. You want to get started here? What are you thinking? Where's the head today? Oh, I'm ready. I mean, I was really... Like you said, this has kind of been a weird roller coaster week. I mean, Sunday, Monday, it was like, whoa, this is August. This is usually like downtime for retail, getting ready for a Q4. And, you know, the stories were coming out like crazy. We're going to cover them uh, shortly, but I'm I'm ready. I'm excited about this one. We got some fun stuff to talk about. And Ann, I almost forgot, like there is someone noticeably absent today. Yes. And it's not Carter. It's Emma, the intern. Emma, the intern is not here. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little concerned. She had to sleep in a tent last night because she, her family <laughs> doesn't have power right now in New York. Poor Emma. Yeah, it sounds like the worst nightmare. So Emma, the intern, as many of you know, loyal listeners, you know, she's out in Jersey now waiting for school to start and the hurricane comes through and she loses, she loses power to her house 
and she loses Wi-Fi and they're talking about none of it coming back until like September. And she, t- or sorry, so September, Jesus, what is wrong with me <laughs> until the weekend? And, and, uh, and, and, and she told us the story of how she had to sleep outside in a tent with her parents and a dog, maybe more no. than one dog, if I'm not mistaken, right? Anne? More three dogs, three dogs. That sounds like my worst nightmare come to life. Yours, yours and mine both. Uh, don't even want to imagine what poor Emma's going through. But hopefully they are drinking all of the per- the beer and perishables, eating all the perishables, the ice cream to survive in the wilderness. Yeah, that was my favorite New part. Like, we spent the day drinking beer and chopping down trees. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> I was like, Emma, oh, was you're with us in spirit today. Saturday. Yeah, but yeah, we wish you were here and uh, hope you're listening to this and having fun. Did you like Wilson Phillips? That was like a random drop. Wilson Phillips? Yeah, who was your favorite? China, obviously. Of course. Yeah, for sure. That haircut. I still love that haircut, but... Yeah, yeah, no, dude. Contractually, Amitabh prevents me from getting That's a better question. I actually favorite Baldwin. Ooh, none? Really? Come on. None. I, I think mine's know. Billy. I think mine is Billy, actually. Yeah. yeah, he's good for a laugh. The lesser known Daniel one, he's always that sneaky, quiet, brooding one in the corner, too. So you never know exactly what's going on there. But but anyway, we digress. Let's get to let's the get retail to the news. All right. Things first, we can talk about. Yeah. But first, let's do our super cool sponsor read. So this week, of nice course, word. like we just mentioned, Fast Sensor. Fast Sensor is the first AI powered platform that provides solutions for social distancing contact tracing, and operational optimization, all tailored to fit your business. With Fast Sensor, you have the tools necessary to monitor safety, efficiency, and journeys across your organization. Visit fastsensor.com to learn more. And as always, Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. All right, Ann, I think I've got story number one here. You do. This one's cool. I actually wrote a post about this in Forbes, which I'm sure we're going to talk about it. It went live this morning. But Aldi, there are rumors this week that Aldi plans to launch an Amazon Go-style cashierless store. So according to Charged Retail, which is a publication out of the UK, Aldi is asking entrepreneurs to register with them and introduce them to different options via an online application process around the automatic recognition of products, either cameras in store, shopping carts, users, smartphones, et cetera, basically anything in the artificial intelligence computer vision, AI, computer vision space similar to what runs Amazon Go. Uh, This also comes days after reports that Aldi is also launching their first e-commerce arm in the UK with dedicated home delivery. And I think this is huge, huge news. It's been flying under the radar screen. That's why I wrote the article that I did in Forbes. I'm curious though, before I get into it and go on my normal diatribes, what what's your take on Aldi and your general history with the Aldi experience? I can't wait to share my share my general history with the Aldi experience. Yes. What what what? Tell us what you know about Aldi. I mean, I used to go to Aldi quite a bit um, when I first moved back from New York uh, because that was the closest grocery store to me, and I was I mean it 
served its purpose. It was, you know, decent quality produce and, you know, you did have to bring your own bag. And, you know, did you know that until 2004, they only accepted cash? I didn't realize that. That was something I found in in my little data set. But I do remember there being a lot of like very particular little things about how you shop the store that once you get accustomed to were great. Uh, But now I I don't shop there as frequently because I'm just a creature of convenience and habit and so um but i I mean decent brand i think i forgot that you know trader joe's is also under this umbrella which i guess i would say i frequent more than the aldi brand but um but yeah what about you you've uh, spent some time in an aldi yeah no i think aldi i yeah my aldi my aldi experiences come back they bring me home they bring me back to the roots they bring me back to davenport Iowa with grandpa dick grandpa Mm. dick gdc and uh, he used to take me in there, longtime guy in the food business as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing that always struck me is just, it's such a Spartan experience. Like you said, like, you know, like you put the coin in to get the cart, uh, yeah. you, you check out, but they don't bag anything. They just throw it in the cart and it's up to you to, you know, to get rid of it. The barcodes are really big so they can be easily scanned, which if you stop and think about it is actually, and that's what I think is so interesting about this is all a big precursor to kind of what Amazon Go is designed to do. It's designed to recognize products very efficiently and it's designed to get people out as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible and with as low cost the operations as humanly possible. So, you know, I think what's what's interesting to me about this is I think Aldi has to take this approach. Um, and if you're, if you're, if you really stop and look at it, like I, there's a part of me that thinks Amazon is gunning for this business. And that's what I wrote about today. The, a, this, the average size of an Aldi box, according to their website, I looked this up, is about 17,000 square feet. Let's talk right. about Amazon Go for a second. Early Amazon Go stores, 1,000 to 3,000 square feet. Latest Amazon Go grocery store in Seattle, however, 10,000 square feet, which means we're not that far from the day. It's just maybe a little, we know it's, it's probably still out there, but just a little more engineering work. I joke, maybe some Red Bull binges. And we're at 17,000 square feet pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that means you potentially could here very soon have an Aldi model run by Amazon that does Aldi better than Aldi on the same general principles. Oh, and by the way, you also have Amazon Prime and Amazon Web Services subsidizing that effort uh, behind the scenes and being able to reach the 100 million customers they have, the delivery network, all that kind of stuff. So I think this is big. Um, you know, there was the rumor also, too, I would add that uh, while uh, Amazon was going to try to launch 3000 of these things by 2021. Everyone thought that was crazy, but now I kind of see why that number is the number that it is because all these actually said they think they have as much room for as for 2500 stores in the United States. Mm-hmm. Those numbers coincidentally are really close together. Is it coincidence? I don't know, but there's enough smoke there that when there's smoke, there's generally some fire and this one seems really pragmatic and rational because Amazon could attack this without really having to go after like traditional large scale grocery, which we know is really complicated. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, Aldi's putting out an RFP right now. That's the stage that they're at. And, exactly. and in your article, Chris, I think you call, you said this is like doing a foot race and Usain Bolt is on one side and you are on the other. So, yeah, right. I mean, there's, there's, it's and not I like we're, start. it's <laughs> not like this is like a, a horse race here where anybody could win. I think you do have 10,000 stores under the Aldi brand umbrella that once they get to that point and start to roll it out, they could be competing. But, um, but again, 
again, you know, this is not a simple thing to solve. You still have the issue of trying to solve for a footprint that's, you know, 16 to 17,000 square feet, like a traditional Aldi store. Amazon hasn't gotten there yet and they're already way, way ahead. So, um, good, good for Aldi for, for going after it, but, uh, it's it's gonna be tough to beat Amazon. Yeah, I think that's what scares me is that Amazon's got a thirty store head start on on you know computer vision AI, um, and that's not easy for people to replicate. It's gonna take time, and I mean Amazon's already been at this three years, so minimally right. you're three years behind the starting point. And they've already got thirty going. So all right, well let's keep on moving, um, keeping the audience alive on LinkedIn. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Um, and yeah, let's get to story number two. So. If Emma, the intern, was here, she would be doing this story. She's really excited about this. CVS has announced that they will launch contactless payment with PayPal and Venmo at all 8,200 stores in Q4. So they are the first nationwide dealer, dealer nationwide <laughs> retailer, rather, uh, that will allow its customers to pay fee-free using PayPal and Venmo. And part of this is an effort to provide contactless payment for more of their customers during uh, COVID time. But customers will just go up check out as they normally would. They scan a QR code from their PayPal or Venmo account. Um, They can also use Venmo rewards. And the experience is made possible by PayPal's partnership with Payments Processor. That's a lot of Ps, so much alliteration. Uh, Payment Processor Income. So if you're into that kind of thing and this is important to you, Income uh, and their partnership with PayPal are what will allow them to potentially roll this out to many more retailers to come. Yeah. Emma was stoked about this. I mean, oh, this, I, she was like, I really want to talk about this. She was like bummed that she's like sitting, uh, uh, you know, outside on In a uh, tent? around a campfire with beers and shih tzus. but like, it's big. I mean, and then the other rumor too, right. Is that uh, they're, they're hinting that there's more retailers to come. Yes. Like, so it shows you because of their partnership with income Obvs, you know, yeah, OBS, right? And and I, I gotta admit, I'm not super millennial on this one, but Venmo has always been like this thing for me, despite where we spend all this time. Like it's just it hasn't it hasn't grabbed on with me. Huge, huge, huge Apple Pay guy though, as everyone knows. But like this is I, huge. I mean, Emma loved this, yeah. right? Because you don't have to have a credit card. You can just go in and do your shopping traditionally like a college yes. student or whatever. I think that's where the big deal is here, is yeah. that you know where Apple Pay is around, it's more, I, th- I would say it's fairly well known or Samsung Pay. Those are big deals, especially among our generation. Right. We can get on board with that. But when you start to think about how Gen Z is transacting, how they're passing money back and forth, they're right. not using Apple Pay. They're they're not doing yeah. the Apple Wallet th- via text message. Right. Even though it's a simple thing to do, they're right. using Venmo. And you don't have to have anything. You, you can just put money into the, the Venmo account. You can sell something on a Facebook marketplace or Instagram. And now you have money in that Venmo account that now unlocks a, potentially several retailers. You can take that money. It's not just deposited into a bank account or held on to to buy something else or do more peer-to-peer commerce. Now you're going to be able to start taking that and spending it in a variety of places. And I think that is is massive to attract this Gen Z audience to your retail location. It will make them choose your retailer over another. Yeah, I think it's a great move. I think it's a great move by CVS. I never thought about what you just said too. I mean, there's general generational dynamics in terms of what you're talking about too. If you're in healthcare and like the baby boomers are starting to die off, you've got to refresh, you know, the generations that you're attracting into your, you know, stores or in the online, whatever you want to call it. And I think this is a smart move by CVS to be on the front of this. I think 
Now, CBS is, I think, has always been a pretty, relatively speaking, a pretty innovative company. I know they're big fans of the show too. So thanks to everyone from there that listens. Uh, but yeah, this is a great move. It's one of these like, you know, just why not? It just makes lives, uh, the lives of your customers so much easier day to day in terms of how they can interact with you. And it seems pretty straightforward and easy if you can figure out the integrations. All right. Absolutely. Story number three. This one's cool. This one's a little different. It's off the beaten path. But of course, we have to have a Walmart story. But this of is course. interesting. Walmart announced that they will be releasing a new program that's designed around marketing campaign performance dashboards. So according to walmartmedia.com, Walmart Media Group, which is, for those that don't know, the media network division of the big box retailer, announced the launch of its first ever omnichannel reporting solution for scale. Walmart beta tested the platform with companies like Nestle Purina, Procter & Gamble, Mondelez, and Clorox. And basically what it does is it gives real-time performance data on how display and sponsored product ads are performing online, but also in store. And that's the key. And we'll get to that in a second. The dashboards show an investment from Walmart in data analytics and how they can be more competitive uh, in terms of offering up the data and insights that advertisers typically are looking for. And you've been in marketing, you've been in this side of the business much, much longer than I have. I have some thoughts here, but why don't, let's go to you first. I mean, this is a great thing for Walmart to be able to provide. We all know that Amazon, Target, everybody's developing their own media platform um, to to drive additional revenue right now as, as more ordering is happening online, especially um, to me, this is kind of, it, I kind of thought it was a bigger deal um, with when I read the headline than I think it really is. It's, it's oh, Walmart kind of just getting their stuff together uh, hmm. to keep this podcast PG uh, a little bit hmm. later on. Um, they are finally putting together a dashboard that makes it easier for people to invest um, and spend money and for, you know, they've been testing with Nestle and Purina and a few people they did the beta test with that said it was performing great. Um, but I think that the advantage will probably come from this um, where, again, Walmart's leveraging its stores. So to be able to give people the picture of not only what's happening online where Amazon is really crushing it right now, but to be able to correlate that with the data from the digital signage and ads that they're running in, you know, their almost 5,000 stores across the country. I think that to me is where, you know, having a comprehensive dashboard, allowing uh, advertisers to react and respond in real time will really provide the true benefit here. But it's not, it's not anything really new that's happening, I guess. It's just oh. Walmart putting that into a digestible format. But oh, man, I clearly have a I different totally opinion. Did. I totally disagree. I think this is cool. I think this is one of the coolest, I think this is one of the coolest things they've done. Um, okay. And it harkens back. More. No, it harkens back to you. If, you. if for those that remember, we did a podcast with uh, Catalina, and this was probably back in the fall. Amy Fitzgerald of Catalina, who's now at Numerator. And the really cool thing about that, and a lot of companies are chasing this, and Walmart is one of the very few companies that actually has the capability probably to do this all themselves. And again, shows Walmart is on the leading edge of how to think about this stuff. But essentially what's happening here is that nowhere before have we been able to correlate real-time point-of-sale data with what is the display advertising that you're seeing as a consumer based on what's been going through the tills and being able to correlate that back as well. So Walmart potentially has that capability. Now, does Walmart have cloud point of sale inside Walmart? 
still jury's out on that. I haven't heard for sure. We know in Sam's club they do. And we know Sam's club has even gone on record with us in our podcast with Eddie Garcia saying that's one of the linchpins. So if you can get, and so, you know, they're at least going down that road. And so if you can start to correlate that data in real time, it means you're, advertising insights in analytical capabilities are going to be much stronger than anyone else's out there, both to drive in-store, but even specifically that in-store behavior can also drive online purchasing behavior too, in ways that have not been untapped and mined before. So that's what I think is just so fundamentally interesting about this. And I wouldn't be surprised. For future potential. For future potential. Yeah. Right. Not for this particular announcement. You're just saying now that they've got it together. It, well, even still, they can start stars. to, even, d- depending on what the lag effect is in, in, in the data, like they can still start to correlate that in ways that haven't been able to be correlated right. before and serve it up to their customers, i.e. the advertisers in this case, better than they have in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see many, many people go in this direction. And Amazon, for all the talk of its media network, can't do this. They can't correlate in-store behavior to what they're serving you up via their online platforms. Walmart can. And that's what I think is fundamentally so cool. All right, well, let's finish out. We've got two cool stories here on the convenience store industry. Anne's been dying to talk to me about these. She won't even tease me with like what she <laughs> wants to talk about. So I'm a little curious where we're going to go with these. But Anne, let's do it. Okay, so story number four, DoorDash has a launched Dash Mart digital convenience store. And it is amazing. They launched this <laughs> on their DoorDash app and site in the following markets, Chicago, Minneapolis, woo. Uh, Dallas, Salt Lake City, the greater Phoenix area, Redwood City, California, Cincinnati, and Columbus, Ohio. Uh, DoorDash has opened. really interesting. Yes, it is. Uh, Dash Mart will have its own distribution centers, which carry household essentials, ready-made meals, restaurant retail items like specialty uh, sauces, spices, sunscreen, laundry detergent, you name it. They've got about 2,000 items in total that can be delivered in around 30 minutes. Uh, The CEO, Tony Zhu, said that this expansion of their core business was always part of their blueprint, but obviously the pandemic has accelerated those plans. And just as a reminder, side note, in June, DoorDash raised $400 million in capital to make the company's current valuation $16 billion and growing. This is going to change lives. I love it. So much. Really? What? Okay. Okay. First, a couple of things you said there that are interesting to me. $16 billion valuation before you even gone into retail and you have all the underpinnings of the logistical network. That's kind of ding, like ding, a crazy ass valuation if you, if you really get down to it and think yes. about it relative to what we know other retailers are valued at. Man, those, those cities are fascinating too. Like we've talked about one of these third-party delivery companies doing this for a while. Everyone's talked about Instacart. Now DoorDash is doing it. But those cities are fascinating. Like, first of all, no one tests anything for to start with in Minneapolis. And then you've got Cincinnati, who's there, Kroger, you got to, like, the only thing not on this list is Bentonville. If I saw that, I would have been like, this is the ballsiest move of all time. Totally. But Bentonville's probably just too small. But um, that, that's, that's, this is crazy. You tried this though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And, you know, I have to admit at first when I read this, I was, a, my thought was like, okay, this is just sort of like Amazon Prime now. There's not that much of a difference, but the key differentiator here, if, and again, asterisk, if DoorDash can accomplish this, I still think that you have some like overall labor issues that, and, you know, tech issues that could prevent the 30 minute window, but 30 minutes is 
awesome. And that if that they can make that happen, that's the key differentiator here. And so I think about, you know, when we are ending our day, we're ready to come home and we're trying to decide a, what we want for dinner and b now my kids, you know, the only thing they know how to cook for themselves when they're at home now during this pandemic is cereal and milk and you get home and you're out of cereal and milk for the next day. Um, having this option of making in the moment purchasing decisions and getting them delivered in 30 minutes across the 2000 categories, your product categories. I think this is amazing. And to be able to get that to your house, um, so quickly will eliminate, I think for me, like some of those target trips. So I, I think this is going to be a total game changer. If I don't, if I can pay a $5 delivery fee to have that stuff to my house and skip a trip altogether. Incredible. But yes, I tried it last night. It's in the DoorDash app. You just scroll on down. You choose, like they have everything all laid out. Yes, exactly. So um, right now they're not charging a delivery fee. It was free. So I think there's some promotion stuff going on. But uh, when you add on top of like, okay, I can get restaurant delivery and have all this stuff delivered for a, there's a membership option that you can select. I mean, to me, that is a no-brainer. That is like, sign me up immediately. I'm I'm on this subscription for DoorDash. That's, this is crazy to me. And, and shout out to Jason, loyal fan of the show too, for uh, keying me into this yesterday, prior, even before I started seeing the news break that this was happening. I think it's, this is fast. Like, what's the competitive response here? I mean, if I'm a retailer, I almost, sh- I almost say, F you, DoorDash, I'm shutting you off. I mean, what's the, arb- the arbitrage in this is crazy too. Like, so say you go on to this and you place the order. What if DoorDash doesn't even have the inventory, but they know the inventory is at other places in the locales based on their connections with those retailers? Do they then go pick it up at those retailers and then bring it to you? And they know the prices of it all too. And are they scraping the prices of all those things as well? Like as they're trying to figure this out, I mean, this puts them in a really odd position against the retailers and the retailers have to start saying to themselves, what are we doing here? Which again, goes back to the whole premise of even what one of our sponsors has said forever, which is like the third party solution isn't the long-term answer for a whole host of reasons. You've got to figure out how to do this and just make the delivery mechanism, just like a white label product that basically is out there for anyone to, to pick up and, and, and take. This is, this is, this is kind of crazy when you think about it, but the picking, the picking, the packing, like let's take that in house as quickly as possible. I don't know. What do you think of that, Ann? I mean, like the arbitrage here inside of this gets a little nuts. Why do you think that? Well, just because like, I, like say, let's say, say I need toothpaste, right? Yes. And they're only going to stock 2000 items or whatever it is. Like it's not easy to stock items and always have them in stock. Well, okay. I order toothpaste from DoorDash. Typical retail, if you don't have it, you don't have it. There's nothing mm-hmm. else to do. Well, DoorDash can be like, oh, well, you know, I got to deal with this local grocer going on over here, this regional grocer over here. And I know toothpaste is three bucks. I'll just sell it to them at the same price or whatever. And I'll go into that local grocer, pick it up. And then now I'm back, you know, delivering it to the customer and they still think it's DoorDash. Like, why couldn't you do that? Like, these are the kind of crazy things. You could. You I could think that's giving them a little bit too, to yeah. Supplant your inventory, but it just shows you like, they have the data of what's selling. That's yeah. how this starts, right? If you continue to give them the data of wh- who has inventory and what, that right. also is potentially bad news bears. Right. So this gets really, really interesting, really fast in terms of what these guys can do. Yes. 
Well, uh, we have to go into the last story because I'm also very excited. About yeah, you're jazzed one. about this. All right, yeah. I got this last one to close this out. All right, 7-Eleven's parent company, the Japanese retail giant 7&I Holdings, has agreed to purchase Speedway. Uh, so basically, in a $21 billion deal, here's the de- details you need to know. They will acquire 4,000 Speedway locations from Marathon Petroleum. For those unfamiliar, too, 7-Eleven basically is huge overseas in Japan. Uh, it's the largest convenience store, uh, 7 and I specifically, is the largest convenience store chain operated in Japan with over 21,000 stores over there. And they also own almost 10,000 7-Eleven stores in the U.S. and Canada. With this deal, 7-Eleven will have stores in 47 of the top 50 most populated areas within the United States. And what do you think? I mean, I just think this is more emblematic of like, overall consolidation in the convenience store industry. Um, you know, you're just seeing such a bevy of activity. 7-Eleven has been really innovative, but you know, what's, what are you thinking here? You love this one. You fought hard for this one without telling me why. Yeah, because I think this is a huge deal. I mean, the 7-Elevens and we've talked for weeks and months about how um, even especially in the U.S., how much technology and investment in making that convenience store experience a better one with delivery, with uh, with contactless payment, with, you know, cashierless checkout setups that they're working on. I mean, I admire 7-Eleven a lot as a company. And now that they're taking over 4,000 more locations in the U.S., um, that gives me hope for what the what the ever the total is now. So what do they have? Eleven thousand now yeah, plus four thousand, so fifteen thousand locations. Take that, Amazon Go. We'll see what happens. Um, I but anyway, the and other gas. thing, yes, and gas. The other thing that I love about this, and I consulted Mrs. Omnitalk specifically on this one because oh, I have boy. not been to Japan, but uh, oh, yeah. but this whole concept of what a convenience store is in Japan. And I think with this, uh, this new acquisition by seven and I, and what I'm hopeful for is that we'll start to see a transition of the type of offerings that these convenience stores could offer. Hmm. So the, in Japan, um, they're called convenies. So I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I asked Mrs. Ami talk for the pronunciation, but, um, but I could not, I cannot confirm that. But at these at these convenience stores, Mrs. Amitak says you can go in and you can get like hand rolled sushi. This is not like hot dogs rotating on a wheel. This is like high quality 24-7 food and other sort of staples. We're also seeing some people emerge with these concepts in the U.S. already, like in L.A. and New York. Um, it, the Peach Mart in Hudson Yards that's that drove everybody away from Neiman Marcus. Um, that is taking this concept and putting it live and people have loved it. So that's what I'm super excited about. Wow. The future of what 7-Eleven is going to do to all of the C-stores across America. That's interesting. So with all, res- with all due respect to you and Mrs. Omnitak, who I sleep next to every night, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not buying that one. I, mm-hmm. you know, seven. I mean, I can remember Seven Eleven was a business school case, just in terms of how big they were back in Japan in 2005, and none of that, none of that has materialized. Um, and I think there's so many locations, and then I think just in terms of how the locations function, it's really different here. So are the consumer needs and dem- and just you know general kind of desires. So I don't know. I think you could still see an upgrade in the experience potentially, but I don't know if their model really runs that way over here. I think the more important point though, is that you're still to your point. You're like, 
that's a lot of stores and 7-Eleven has been really innovative, relatively speaking with in the industry. And so that just gives them more scale and more power uh, to try to figure out what the answers are. I mean, the other story that was cool this week, Wawa, the convenience store chain, uh, also announced that they're doing their first drive through and pickup only store. Like you can't mm-hmm. actually go in the store. Everything is done through drive through or pickup only. And like, that's fascinating. There's just so much innovation happening in this space. And like we said to open, who's ever quickest to try to put that into practice is probably going to win. And, you know, this is just another effort by 7-Eleven to say, hey, we're the biggest, you know, kind of biggest, baddest one on the block in a lot of ways to try to figure out what that ultimately looks like. So, so fascinating. Okay. I, I got it. So hot dog rollers versus sushi. All right. Well, what are you binge watching this week, my friend? I am not going to have any time to binge watch this. Why not? I have an action packed weekend plan. What do you got going on? Oh, we're going to do a little boating, little tubing on the lake uh, oh. tomorrow. We're going to go to my friend's chicken farm, check out some baby chicks. Be um, careful. There's a lot of salmonella outbreaks with that right now. Be careful. Well, well, we'll be masked up and everything. It'll be fine. But, you know, taking the kids out to see some nature. We live in the city, so we don't get to see, like, sprawling land and um and just experience all that beauty. Plus we got a baseball game. So, you know, we're going to oh, cover, cover all the bases this weekend and making peppers. I forgot. And that. Oh, is this pepper making weekend? This is pepper making weekend. It's been accelerated. So Mazinga uh, pepper frying and canning is happening now, Sunday afternoon after the chickens. We'll make sure we wash and clean ourselves. I forgot you thoroughly. can them too. Wow. For those listening and cans, Anne's family has a, spends a whole day canning peppers which reminds me of that scene in in uh when harry met sally waiter uh i don't know that scene uh, yeah in my head but i'll take your word for it in my paprika oh, but anyway um yeah that's cool that's cool you know what I, we did we bought a i bought one of those like water balloon filler things it feels like oh water God, balloon. did you really yeah it was like five bucks like i'm on amazon like i'm hoping that the weather is nice which it may yeah. not be but we're gonna hopefully have the water balloon fight in the backyard to end all water balloon fights here that sounds amazing let's just say there's a lot of aggression to get out in the walton that's household and awesome probably even more so after um you know those last comments on 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 the 7-Eleven take here. Well, it's fine. Mrs. Omnitak and I will be in Japan eating eating at convenience stores, <laughs> eating exactly. our way through Japan. Exactly. It'll be great. I'll, I'll be eating my hot dogs. Although yeah. she probably likes hot dogs as much as she likes sushi. But anyway, uh, thanks for sticking. You can get both there. Exactly. Thanks for sticking with us. It was a fun show today. Emma, we miss you. We hope you are safe and sound back in Jersey. And for those of you if you liked our show today, please remember to subscribe to our blog on Omnitalk. It's www.omnitalk.blog. And you can also listen to our podcast wherever you enjoy listening to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it. It's all there for you. And of course, you can also follow us on our YouTube channel. As always, for Anne, on behalf of Emma, who's not here, please, now more than ever, as we get into the fall, be careful out there.